Actor, musician, joker, and all-around nice guy with a laugh that fills the room. Not exactly what you would expect to hear about a guy that goes by the name of Demolition Man. From acting in the Russell Crowe movie, Master and Commander, to fronting Venom, Inc., Tony Demolition Man Dolan is a man of many talents. His take-no-prisoner and take-no-bullshit attitude is what brought us together, and it's the fearlessness and unabridged honesty that makes me proud to say has made us friends for the past three years or so. So I'm just going to shut up and welcome Tony Demolition Man Dolan to talk in the talk with the great Southern Brain Fart. So Tony, once again, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me, and thank you for a very nice introduction. If you could see me, I'm... I'm uh, sitting in my place in London in a, on a very, very cold, very, very wet and very, very dark night. But uh, I'm all red and blushing like a tomato. I mean, I feel so, so, I was so warm and so nice. Thank you so much. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of people when you do the interview go, oh, fucking yeah, he did a movie. Yeah, that was a shit movie, you know. Yeah, he was like a fucking, uh, you know, but that's what people are. But, you know, warm hugs all around. Man, well, you know, it's always been a good vibe hanging out with you and always been a good vibe talking to you. So, you know, it's nice now that I've launched the podcast here that we can finally have a have a, have a conversation where people actually get to hear because – um. One of the reasons I started doing this podcast was I started getting messages from people on my site going, you know, I read all your interviews and sometimes I have a hard time believing that you really make that much of a connection with people. Like sometimes you yeah. think you fudge. The, I was like, well, you know what? I'm just you're, you're going to save me a lot of trouble here. I'm just going to start recording the shit and you guys can listen to it. <laughs> you know? I, well, you know, don't I think that's that's the way to do it. I mean, you know. It's like it's kind of like you know uh, was uh, was it what was was it the masquerade? Yes, it was at the masquerade met? where you and I was first the masquerade. talked. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and we sat backstage and they had some comfy couches and um, you know we did we did our interviews there, but it was it was less of an interview, more of just having a conversation and just chatting and having a laugh, you know. And I think those kind of things are good, you know. I you know you've got to promote albums and you've got to promote stuff you know but um you end up sitting and you got to do right the next phone call the next phone call the next phone call that's cool but i generally when if i'm promoting i'm at home and they send me a whole list you know they 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 allow 20 minutes or or 30 minutes and the first thing i say to them is you know you're gonna have to give me longer than that because i can't fucking sit, tell you what I just if I go around to the shop to get coffee and come back that's more than a 45 minute conversation <laughs> I'm going to tell you and nothing happens so it's like fucking hell you give me 20 minutes with a journalist they're going to get they're going to get nothing you know have you in your album yeah would you like it yeah it's brilliant yeah it's out there yeah we'll be on tour next month yeah see you later thanks very much keep supporting us it's like okay that's alright but you know it's, it's, it's almost like uh, uh, when we do the meet and greets the meet and greets we were pushed to do on the last American tour and I was like oh, okay and they said we'll do like these VIP packages and I was like oh okay uh, and I felt really uncomfortable so I you know two things I wanted to do I said okay we'll host them on our tour bus so we'll bring them on the bus where I offered them drinks they could have a hard drink soft mm-hmm. drink tea coffee whatever they wanted whatever food we had they got offered um, but I made these tote bags which were only for the packages they had special pics in there special photo all kinds of stuff in there that the other people didn't have but it was all part of their thing and um and so, you know, I wanted to make it special, but also then instead of being in a meet and greet where they walk in, go hi, you, you sign whatever they've got, they, they take a picture and then they, they walk away again. You know, we got to actually sit in an informal setting and they could chat and then they feel much more inclined to ask you the burning questions they wanted to ask you. Whereas if you're standing in a line at a venue or you're standing in line somewhere like that, you might get told you can't ask questions or you you can't do this or you can't do that and and you're limited you know uh, we did a signing at Bloodstock and one of the security guys if someone came in they pulled the camera out and the guy went there's no no photographs and I was the first person they got to and so I've seen this and as soon as I finished signing the thing I said have you got a camera and they went 
well, yeah, but I said, okay, let's take photos. The they looked at the security guy and he went, yeah, no photos. I went, no photos of what? No photos of you, but there's photos of us. Come on, let's do our photos. <laughs> take pictures of me and all fucking day, dude. <laughs> exactly. And then some guy pulled out a couple of albums and they went, oh, yeah, they, they, you, you're only selling the photographs. And I said, hang on. I said, are you my mum? I said, fucking hell. Why are you making the decision on what we sign, what we don't sign, who the fuck we're taking a photograph with? I said, you know, you know. Uh, and he said, well, you know, there's a lot of people who want to get this done. I said, okay, well, it'll be done when it's done. When you say, that's it, that's it. But that's as far as as it goes. Whatever happens with these people who are coming in, it's up to them, you know, if they interact. Because as soon as people came in, I would say to them, whatever you do, just put whatever you want us to sign there and get your camera out. I said, but if you fucking talk to me, I'm going to start talking back and we could be here a while. All fucking day, so, man. Because I, you know. I remember our interview because that was one of the things that struck it because, you know, I tell people all the time, that, like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not a journalist. Like I didn't go to school to study journalism. I'm a writer. I'm just a passionate yeah. music fan who started this blog almost 10 years ago because, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted a way to write about my favorite music. And I'd Your always passion. wanted to be a writer, you know, and it's a passion. And, yeah. but and when I... And when, when passions affects you you want you want to talk about it exactly and like you know and like i said i interview a lot of folks though and but uh, you know it's a rare occurrence though that like when i'm interviewing somebody that i find myself making a connection you know with that i feel like kind of exceeds that interview and i remember that night we were sitting backstage on those old couches and we were just talking and laughing away i just thought to myself i said Man, I want to be friends with this guy. <laughs> you know well, I mean? yeah, I mean, it, it, it becomes more, more. It becomes you. We, I think, you know, like you say, it, it happens, and, and uh, that was one of the cases in point. You know, it became less of an interview, more of a, just a conversation between friends. You know, and I think that's when it gets a bit more exciting because then you get much more in depth about who the person is, and uh, it relaxes the, uh, you know. Um, your your guest or your opponent depends on how you look. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. You know, it puts you in a much more frame to to relax and to be more free with your talk, and then you get something a bit more honest, you know, than the usual bollocks. Because you know, people are standing there saying what they want you to know some of the time, and what they're supposed to, the image they're trying to portray, and the reality is very different. I mean, you know, um, people want rock stars to be from another planet like Lemmy said you know so untouchable and not the guy next door but I think every fan given an opportunity or a moment would would like to be able to sit down and tell you their story and share share some of their, their selves with you um, so that when you walk away you remember that person and they made a connection you made a connection with them mm-hmm. sonically um, somehow and um, and may have changed their life or, or helped them through a bad time or, or whatever else and they want to share that with you so that you know you connected with them I think that's a, a remarkable thing and I think ultimately that's what I see as the end goal you know uh, it's why I veil myself on social media you know of course I get all kinds of crap thrown at me too but you know it's the rough with the smooth you know it's all passionate about what they love and that's what I love about music mm-hmm. because I'm the same you know it stimulates me because I'm so passionate about it you know it's so funny because you know, one of the things you and I have talked about in the past in like personal conversations is is how you is, is like that we could pretty much be twinsies here about you know, about you know you know speaking our mind and then having to deal with the repercussions later you know know and um oh, oh, i actually quoted uh somebody um uh from us that runs a small label called uh dive bomb records who said yeah, um, and you're, bomb, yeah. you're gonna love this it says uh he he said to me uh, about me he said what a crock of shit when your press cred has the word fart in it you should be banned from everything so why <laughs> so why did you not run like the fucking wind the first time you were told hey tony you're doing press with a site called the great southern brain fart <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you know, I think it says, I think it says something about the connective tissue, you know, because um, it could be, while we're superior, aren't we the best magazine in the world, metalrock.com, or mm-hmm. it could be called Tom Speaks about music to his mates, you know, <laughs> I <Dot> mean, net. <laughs> yeah, dot net, you know, I think for me, for me, um, you know, it's it, it great. You want to be on the cover of a magazine. You want to be famous. You want to be in Malibu house and you want to have a billion dollars to pay, but do whatever you want to do. But all of that will take you away from the connecting uh, tissue of, of playing. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of Metallica fans listening or will listen or won't listen. And I'm sure right. for everybody that says, I fucking love Metallica, some people will criticize um, uh, periods of the band or, or the band in general, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, they, obviously they're 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 huge, so that means a lot of people have got opinions on them, one way or the other. Right. But I think uh, what I look at is the, for every arena show they did, they were going, they've been in two small clubs and played two. You know, um, and you think a band that size, why would they do that? Because they stay connected. They stay connected to themselves, mm-hmm. and you know they're a machine at that level. Um, but it, it, it keeps them connected to the to the fans in the underground I, I hope I, I I would think that's why because they would do a hundred club or a whiskey and it would be sold out so you know all the people are there who want to see them the people who criticise them and think they're crap don't go and see them so but that's fair you don't go and see what you don't like you go and see what you do like you don't right. buy what you don't like you eat what you do like and etc etc so but I think that's part of my thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I was always, when I was a punk and I started out and and then, you know, started doing the, the, the speed metal thing and, and uh, you know, smashing together more to head in the diggies and, and cranking it up mm-hmm. and going as fast as I can. You're talking 1979. You know, I just started demoing then, you know, and uh, I haven't changed who I am and I haven't changed what I do. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, this year we'll be playing Vakin and Hellfest, the two biggest festivals in Europe, um, both by invitation, which is amazing. We mm-hmm. got invited to play Bloodstock, the biggest festival in the UK, and had, you know, 18,000 people. You know, I mean, it was an incredible reaction. And, um, you know, that's fantastic. But, you know, I would, I would still put myself in Sylvitis in Brooklyn, which is a, a club uh, in Brooklyn, down mm-hmm. the street. You know, it's not in Manhattan. It's not on Fifth Avenue. It's not in the main Why? Because it's a club that I love. I love the people who run it. I've been going there for years, and the atmosphere is incredible. It's hot. It's sweaty. It's packed. It's dark, and it's brilliant. And Kind of like know, myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and both for me, both have value. Yeah, limousines and and five star hotels and whatever. I, I, you know, I don't give a fuck if I'm sitting in club class if I'm flying the plane or I'm running behind it. As long as I can get to the venue and get up and play some music, you know, and and it would be great to run with the fucking ten articulated trucks with all our shit in and all our amps and fifty technicians. But sometimes it's just me, my guitar, my case. And whatever amp they've got at the other end with whatever cabinet they've got at the other end and a hot lead to plug into and just play, you know. And if you can do that, so you and me and Mantis have done that uh, 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 everywhere in the world. If you can walk into a place that's probably not ideal, probably the PA is not the best PA, probably the you know, sound might not be totally on top of it, Um your amp's not the amp you really want. The cab's a bit dodgy. It's got a buff speaker. Mm-hmm. And and you plug your lead in, set your pedals out. And after a, a, an intro, if you're allowed to put an intro, if they've got a capacity to play the intro, and sometimes they haven't, you do a one, two, three, four. If you can, you can create the maelstrom and, and a great show for fans in that state, you can do anything. Uh, and that's the musically, you know, and and that's the key to it. So you know, the great brain fart, the great train crash, the the fantastic metal world of fantasticnessness magazine. <laughs> Who gives a shit? You know, you you at the end of the day, you're talking to people about music. That's the passion, and you're reaching fans. 
you know, we were criticised once by some other parties. Oh, you know, they go and play in shit holes, uh, you know, and it's like, what? So we got to St. Louis in midwinter and play a ball where, you know, maybe 100 people can get there because the rest have been snowed in or it's midweek. They've got to go to work or they just can't time it right. They can't get a babysitter or whatever. Right. Or we go to Costa Rica where, you know, it's in the middle of, you know, Central America and it's like a small metal scene. It's like, hey, if there's one fan sitting on a fucking mountain somewhere and I can get up there with a band to play for him in his backyard, you don't think there's value in that? You don't think he deserves that? You know, he, he, you, you, he's invested whatever spare capital he had on your music and, and following right. you and everything else, possibly his whole life. And you don't think there's value in going and playing for him because who's he? Well, who's he? He's the guy that lets you do what you're fucking doing. Right. Maybe, and see, and maybe if he turned around and went, suck my dick, you'd be <laughs> in your bedroom, motherfucker. You know, it's like, you know, it goes hand in hand, Don. So, you know, there's value in everybody who feels passionate about music. That's that's every web, every blog, every everything. If they want to talk to you, I think, why not? Why not? Conversation about music. What could be better? Oh, I feel, yeah, I totally feel the same way. And it's funny because, you know, I mean, I, you know, I didn't grow up a hardcore punk fan, but I grew up listening to some punk bands and stuff. And so, but, yeah. but, I, but I'm, I'm also, you know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties, you know? So I remember, you know, th- th- that punk mentality of, um, of zines and, you know, like garage shows and yeah. basement shows. And so like, I, one of the things I told somebody one time in, um, uh, they were asking a very serious question to me. And the, when they asked the name of my site, I was like, Oh, it's called the great Southern brain fart. And they were like, why the hell did you name it that? And I was like, well, cause you know, it's a play on this Pantera album called the great yeah. Southern trend kill. And because my mouth runs a mile a minute, a friend of mine called me the great Southern brain fart once. And it just stuck. And I was like, yeah. And so when I started the blog, a friend of mine said, you know what, when you, when you have a site, you need to have something that sticks above the crowd it has to yeah. be kind of like a persona and you know so people actually refer to me as that which i think is hysterical you know but yeah. um you know but one of the things i i come at this is is that i i think of of my blog in that same old school sense like you did is that like I want to talk to the bands and the musicians and the artists that I love that regardless yeah. of status but if yeah. if and if they want to give me the time of day and not judge a book by its cover, which which is the irony behind it all is that as musicians and as artists and as writers or whatever we are, nobody wants to be judged by their cover, you know? No. And so it's like, you know, so if you're going to say, you know, you know, it, when your press cred has the word fart in it, you should be banned from everything. I'm just going, you might want to read my site because there's a good chance that I gave one of your bands a good review. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, exactly. You, know, you just, you know. you're just going based off of one, one simple thing that happened, you know? And, um, exactly. And, and, you know, I think uh, to say a brain fart is, you know, to go, look, I'm, I, I, I may, I may ask something, you know, that you didn't want me to ask, or I may transgress, or I may, you know, make a statement that you don't feel, you know, but in in all of it, what the title says is that there's an honesty in there. Whatever's going to be said, whatever's going to be talked about, is going to be honest. So that's what the title said to me. You See, know, I not love honest. that you got that because the thing is, is that like, you know, like my reviews, whether they're concert reviews or, or album reviews, is that. And, and also, whether they're positive or negative, they're always kind of served with like a snarky kind of humor. But that's also because that's who how I am in, in real life. You yeah. know, and so like I, I'm just kind of a snarky guy, you know, and like I have kind of a, you know, you know, you know, potty humor makes me laugh. You know what I mean? And <laughs> exactly. shit like that, you know, but like, you know, so so if you're, you know, you're talking, you know, you know. You know, if I, I'm well, listening I, to this one album and I'm saying, you know, God, this album is so bad, I'd rather I'd rather eat a you know a bowl of dung than listen to this yeah. album again. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my God, I'm enemy of the state now. But like, if we said that over two beers, you would laugh. You exactly. know, it's, so it's exactly. all like, you know? and and it's also the thing that people people uh, um, you know when people are creating art and they're putting in a public 
uh, forum, then it's going to get uh, criticised. Now, of course, they want everybody to think it's cool because that's what you aim for. You don't record an album that's crap and believe it's crap and then let everybody have it to tell you it's crap. You know, you 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 believe in what you're doing. It's all you've got. And you, if you believe in it, you put it out and you follow it through. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. But as long as you believe in it, and and that makes it real. And so, you know, to pass it off to people to get reviews and for them to give you what they think and it's not what you want to hear, okay, that's fair enough. You know, but why then do you have to punish that person and think, right, well, they're shit anyway, and what the fuck do they know, and who the fuck are they? And blah. So if they said it was great, they would be a god, a legend, fantastic, awesome, <laughs> the best, everybody. Exactly. But because they didn't, they're the worst, they're the shittest, they're the crappiest, and what was the point of them anyway? And it's like, well, you know, people... Of course you take it personally. I mean, that's the amazing thing about music. You know, someone goes, I love... XYZ and then somebody I see on social media all the time then someone else comes in and goes they're a load of shit they suck that person they then start having an argument between the two it's like hang on neither of you are in that band and you're both just either buying or not buying the music so it's okay for him to love them and it's okay for you not to why are you arguing about to each other it's not going to change you you're not going to like them anymore because he's arguing with you and you're not going to you're not going to make him not like him well no because at some point it's like it's like playing tic-tac-toe you're canceling each other out like much like when you told me like you were like you know I'm not really a Dickinson fan of Iron Maiden you know I like the Deanna stuff dude I'm a huge Bruce Dickinson fan I wasn't going to be like all right, Tony step up bro you know no, what I exactly. mean like I was I was gonna be like hey you know what so he loves Deano and doesn't care too much exactly. for Bruce I love Bruce and think Deano is pretty cool I still love them both but you know what my thought was was that you know what dude that's awesome though that's awesome that you have but your I passion think and enjoy yes. that makes and you I happy think that's that's exactly it. If you'd said to, uh, you know, knowing you were a Dickinson fan and you were going, you know, I, I just just totally prefer Dickinson. I didn't get the Diano thing at all. I wouldn't go, well, you don't know what you're fucking talking about because Dickinson sucks and Diano's good. <laughs> of course I wouldn't. It's like, you know, can Bruce Dickinson sing and is he a great performer? And Iron Maiden, one of the hugest bands on, on, on the world. Yes. So what the fuck what am I going to say? They're shit. It's like, it's eh? so, they're not. It's so true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, that's such a blanket statement. It's like, no, they, well, they're not crap. If they've got people, you know, they can sell at arenas. I can't. So yeah. how can I say they're crap? I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it's not even to say I don't like it. It's like whatever. It, it's not about liking it. It's, you know, with music, what some music you can hear and it just connects with you yeah and some music doesn't connect and you know and it's as simple as that it either speaks to you or it doesn't or it's and not so- meant for or it's not meant for you in general you know because like exactly like i don't like lady gaga but i can't say that she sucks because the girl sells out eighty thousand seat Stadium, exactly. You're you know, gonna, so evidently, look, someone likes exactly. her. You know what I mean? You're, like, you're looking at someone who gets <laughs> awards, someone who's won awards, someone who f- sells out seven nights at Madison Square Gardens, someone who's sold X million albums, and you say she's shit. It's oh like, yeah. Well, obviously no. she's not shit because that was not shit, shit to eighty shit. the eighty thousand people a night she played to. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. If she was if she was true if she was truly shit, she'd be in it in some kind of fucking Nike store in the in on the fucking uh, uh, you know boxing up fucking trainers to go out the door on the back of a, a truck because she can't sing. Well, I'm not be getting, saying she'd be getting booed off of American Idol or something. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying people that but to do proper jobs for a living or bad at it. What no, I'm but I know what you mean. It, yeah, yeah. If, if someone's shooting to be an artist and they're really crap, they're going to be in their bedroom forever. They're not going to make it. But someone like that, it's like you don't like that kind of music or her, what she does. You might not like a voice or the style or the songs mm-hmm. or whatever. It doesn't connect with you, but it does connect with people. And I think... Um, you know, people people use language in a very basic way sometimes, and 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 uh, they blanket things completely. You know, um, I mean, you know, uh, as an example, 
because I do social media quite a lot and, I, and I'm checking and updating and doing all those things. And, and literally tonight I saw there was a, a conversation regarding the big four, who should be in the big four, because these people felt, or this particular individual maybe felt that anthrax shouldn't be in the big four. They were, I they saw that, be, yes. Well, yeah. they seemed to be more leaning towards testament. Um, and then someone said, should Venom be included in the big four? Um, okay, so... I guess the conversation would be around that, you know, well, they thrash or they proto thrash or should, is it a big four of thrash so therefore they don't qualify, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, there's my name being slagged off. Now I'm being slagged <laughs> off and going, well, what an irrelevant fuck he is. And, you know, he's subpar, substandard. It's like, hang on, how did I get into the big four? You're like, look, man, I came like halfway in and made four records, dude. So fucking get out like, of this. Jesus Christ. It's like all of a sudden. But, you know, it's, it's, the, the, it's, it's, it, it, you know, when, when people want to over criticize and they, they have to lead everything back to you to mm -hmm. have a go at you when there is no connection, when there is no reason for it, it just says that you're stimulating something that they feel they're being robbed of. You know, in that case, maybe they felt that, you know, that, that, that the, the, the venom that they liked, which was the original th three or four albums, uh, four albums, you know, certainly the only two albums that keep getting put out are the same two every year Welcome Down on Black Metal but but you know nothing's going to change that it was 40 years ago but nothing can change that nothing it doesn't matter whether you're a fan of Motorhead or not a fan of Motorhead you're not going to you're not going to change Ace of Spades being Ace of Spades and how good it was you know right, so, right. Uh, and um, you know it doesn't matter whether I preferred Deanne or and, and Running Free and, and Phantom of the Opera and whatever else how can I possibly take away from from what Bruce Dickinson has, has done with Iron Maiden. You can't. So it's it's that same kind of thing. It's like people get panicked because they get caught in a moment in time. For you, your introduction in your moment in time with Maiden was with Bruce. For me, it was 79 with Paul Diano. So exactly. that, moment, right. that moment had an impact on me and I want to keep that forever. Mm -hmm. So that's why for me that's what I prefer because that was my moment in time and it's the same thing with any fan of any music and any any uh, period you know they they you know they will they will latch on to a moment in time because that's the moment that you first heard it or you first connected with it and it becomes something very special you don't want that to change but unfortunately the polar ice caps are melting and they might refreeze <laughs> uh, in another thousand years or a hundred years and um you know the, the the planet's heating up and it might cool down again it's like you know you cannot stop the natural course of events everybody will die in the end and everybody will have a journey and bands will start one way and end up in another way because that's just what happens you know um, well I mean because that kind of goes full circle into a uh, uh, nice segue by the way Tony into <laughs> was, I did no, my research was talk, I didn't want to fuck it up I, was, I didn't want to have a brain fart you have a brain, have a brain fart, fart. <laughs> but like you know so like for instance you know I, you know, I grew up you know I was I was a Venom fan I my first album that I bought was like around 85 or so was at war with Satan okay. you know black, then I went yeah, backwards yeah. I went black metal I went welcome to yeah. hell I bought Possessed and I thought Possessed was horrible and then I never bought another Venom record matter of fact I didn't even know that you were in Venom because at that point yeah. I had kind of let Venom go well yeah. then when the whole Venom Inc. thing came around I was just like oh you gotta be kidding this yeah. is gonna be ridiculous but then yeah. like I went and of course again like you and I talk about, like, you know, yeah. I went and did my homework and I was like, oh, wait, what's this primeval album? And I listened to yeah. it and I was like, now, see, if I would have picked up there, I probably would have been a Venom fan for, you know, for the well, first uh, yeah. But then you guys released Ave, which to me was kind of like what you said was that it was this it, 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 it was it was the band but it wasn't the same band as 1981 because it was impossible to be because it's not 1981. It was, exactly. you know, in the yeah. 2000s. So yeah. now, you know, you proved yourself like very much so with Ave because it received a lot of critical acclaim. You had a very yeah. successful tour. Um, now you've got a new member in the band who's kind of in which I can only imagine has infused 
come to talk. Totally. Actually, you know, you're talking to a guy who also who also just got a new drummer, and I can tell you now that when you get a new drummer who is like passionate, excited, um, loves the material you're playing, it just pushes you that much more. So, well, I tell, you. tell me, tell me about that. Like, where where, where, no, where is this taking you into the next recording phase or the live phase? Like, where, like, I, tell I, me about that I, energy. I think that's it. I think it's it is about the passion and it is about the energy. I think, you know, if you if you play your instrument or you play your show or you create your music or your art or whatever you do, you you put yourself into it hundred percent. Now, you know, it's your hundred percent. It's not someone else's hundred percent, it's your hundred percent. And and just because you put your hundred percent in doesn't mean everybody's gonna get it or it's gonna feel that they like it or not. Um, and people people like things for a million reasons and people also don't like them for a million reasons. They're, you know, jealousy or it's actually crap or they just want to safeguard their history or they want to, you know, just put you down because they just want to put you down or, you know, so there could be genuine motive and there could be a non-genuine motive. Um, Mm -hmm. People could like it because it's amazing, it sounds fantastic and they think it's incredible and it actually speaks to them or they could know you and they want to support you and they they feel cool that they know you so that sways them to liking it too. So there's... There's, there's lots of things pros and cons but I think for being a musician like you just said with having a, a drummer or any any impetus you get in when you play the music when you record the music when you're constructing it when you're writing mm-hmm. it and, and the final result comes out you want to believe in it completely and you when you go on stage to perform it it's got to feel real you've got to enjoy it and, and, and if you you're making an album that you're not into and there's a dispassionate disconnection with the performance, you're not going to enjoy it. And it's music. I mean, you should enjoy shows. Otherwise, why are you touring? Why are you playing? You know, you you should be enjoying it. That's the whole point. And the connection you're making with your audience is vital to that. It's part of the experience. And so, you know, to have... um, uh, to have Jeremy, who's uh, Jeremy Kling, who's a uh, drummer for the Absence and has a death metal project and does sound for Exodus and Sepultura and right. God knows everything else. And he, he's based in Florida, you know, home of death metal, you know, from Chuck and the whole obituary and everybody coming out of their massacre. And the, you oh, know, I know you, they you, smuggle you, it all in from Florida to Atlanta. Yes. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you think, you know, you've got this kind of. He comes from this, this, this high hive of of music, you know, American, you know, metal, and and you know, just which is so exciting. It's always exciting me, and and to to have that and he's the style he plays with us is very different but his father was a huge Venom fan you know he translated that to him and so you know for him to play in our style but love what he's doing that's what comes across and not only does it come across to an audience of course he has the technical skill of course he's mm-hmm. a he's a young drummer with, and he's really on top of it he rehearses and practices every day he's always recording he's always doing something you know that, that puts another input of energy into us I mean myself and Mantis have it anyway because we love playing we like playing on stage together we like the performance and and we love the music that we're playing Mm -hmm. but I think when when we can be on stage and you know when we put the Venom Inc thing together I wanted to do I wanted to, us to go back to start and pull out all, as many of the songs from the, the whole Venom catalogue and, and from stuff that I'd written, the, the stuff that Mantis had written uh, and wanted to perform and the stuff that the fans asked us to hear. You know, people forget that. They criticise us. And someone said the other day, like, oh, that fucking, like, Chronos says the tribute band. It's like, hang on, of course Chronos is going to say that because he has a beef. It's like, okay, who are we tributing? You know, if Mantis wants to play a song that he wrote, he's tributing himself or I'm tributing him or I'm trying to tribute. It's like, I, okay, I don't get that. 
at the end of the day, that's all words speak that's pointless and meaningless coming from a point of insecurity or whatever it is. I don't know. Right. But all I'm saying is if 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 we've got a house full of fans, it, last year we topped off over 70,000 people we played to. Now, some of those were festivals, but that was everybody we played to on our tours. Right. It, it, it wasn't like the support bands had finished and then everybody put their coat on and went home. They still enjoyed us. So it's like, hang on. So... You know, obviously people want to hear it. If it turns some people on, it does. If it turn, doesn't turn other people on, it doesn't. But what we're seeing is, you know, from RVA has over 200 and whatever it, thousand hits. Um, the Bloodstock uh, uh, footage, you know, 122,000 in, in a few months. I mean, people want to want to see it. They want to hear it. The album did well. The 12-inch war single did, 7-inch wars that we put out did very well. Absolutely. People want the DVD. So it's like, hang on, that's... That's the fans that want to have it. The fans that don't and the people who don't, then don't. But there are people who do. And I think, you know, the passion is what translates, that we believe in what we're doing, we mean it, and we're enjoying it. We're having fun with it. And having uh, Kling come in uh, to be so impassioned by the whole thing like we are mm -hmm. and then deliver on every level he's required to deliver as well is is just exciting you know to know that we can go and play any song and it will sound as good as it did last night and and from any period and he'll go and do his homework and come in totally prepared and we'll we, you know we played songs for the first time live that night that we all three of us just rehearsed separately and we put into the set before we went up on stage and we went up on stage and we knocked it out. And it's like we've been playing it all our lives. That's not a you common know? thing to be able to do, especially it's in, not, in, in metal music, not. you know? I mean, exactly. where everything is so kind of like, so unless you really know your shit, you know, you can't really yes, do that, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and not only to, to, to be able to do that because you've got digi digital media, so that that's, you know, but to be able to do that as as an as a as a with passion so it means something you know and and also to take something like live like an angel which was which we put in the set now live like an angel was the b side of the first ever venom single in 1981 correct in league with satan the yes. flip side was live like an angel mantis wrote the song um uh you know pre welcome to hell you know correct. but they had the song anyway so when we put that in the set and the very next song to follow it, or that is the next song that follows Metal We Bleed, uh, sandwiched between Die Hard, which was uh, you know, a later single than the first one. So hang on, so you're going Die Hard, Metal We Bleed, Live Like an Angel. And, and 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 there's a separation of three or four years between the two singles, but there's a separation mm -hmm. of almost 40 years but between one of the songs and the other two. And yet they can all sound as fresh, as vibrant, as passionate as if they were all written at the same time. Now, that's extraordinary, but you can only have that, you can only get that feeling if you feel impassioned by the material. And, and I do... And I know Jeff does, of course, playing his own material, his way. And uh, to have a drummer who feels as impassioned by the set we're about to perform means it's very exciting for us. And if it's very exciting for us, hopefully it's very exciting for the audience as well. Well, it totally translates, you know, because, you know, like we've talked about before, an audience can totally pick out, you know, a fake or like when you're not really or if you're just dialing it in or whatever. But oh, yeah. going forward with um uh, I, I just like calling him the new guy <laughs> i'm gonna call him the new guy well we, we, yes <laughs> he was colloquially called by one of our, our um our dutch uh um brethren he was called the war machine but we we call him cling he's cling mr Cl cling cling i love it okay so are there plans to record i mean and and try to capture this you know try to try to capture this momentum and energy that has been because i'll be honest like you know ave was so well done and it was such a yeah. great record and like to to hear it uh, like i'm excited to hear something I'm excited to hear what this lineup could possibly do, knowing that it's got this new fuel. You know well, what I mean? The, the, I, the, with Avi, you know, I didn't want to record an album. That was my main thing. I, I just didn't want to do it. And John Suzula and Chuck Billy, John Suzula in particular, you know, X from Megaforce, Metallic Anthrax, and everything. Right. He, I brought, I brought 
I brought him on board uh, as part of management, and um, and he turned around after you know twelve months or whatever and said, "You're going to make a record, do some demos." And I said, "I don't want to do that because you know I just want to play the legacy of music that's already there. There's a whole legacy of music that people aren't getting to hear, and and uh, you know the, the, they want to see these characters and they want to hear this music, and there's a whole generation who didn't get to see it. So I want to take that to them. And people will bitch slap and throw stones at me, and I don't really give a fuck. I just want to play the music to fans." who want to hear it if they don't want to hear it they won't be there but the, there's people who want to be there so I said that's what we should be doing I said but if we start to make a new record then it changes the whole dynamic we we have to think about money and, and, and deals and selling it and promoting it and publishing and, and I said fucking hell I said do we really need it or is it getting back into all that when all we're actually doing is going out and enjoying playing live um, uh, but he, he come, that was where we needed to go so we sat down to do that mm-hmm. uh, and Mattis is always writing a load of stuff he wanted to produce it they said to me we've got producers but much, uh, Jeff wants to produce it what do you think and I said well you know he produced our Empire of Evil stuff and I said I think he did an amazing job and he's getting better and better I said two things are the key one is he loves doing all that shit I haven't got the patience I said I can <laughs> produce but, but he likes to do it and for me it's a labour of love I said but but um you know the other thing is is nobody knows how we're how we should sound better than jeff so why do we have to go to somebody else who's gonna we're gonna have to convince him to make us sound like us when we already know how we want to sound exactly <laughs> yeah right and, like and, you don't need an outsider to tell you like okay i need you to sound like yeah, your guitar sound needs and to sound like, like this. I know what like, we need no. to sound like because we sound like this every night when we play. Because that's what we <laughs> sound like, exactly. And and I think that was the key factor because what was happening is the live had become so much, so vibrant right. and so alive and people were getting off on it so much that I wanted to put that spirit onto the album. And of course, if we didn't change everything, we remained who we were and Mantis produced, that's exactly what we get. And I think that's what we got. I, I hope that's what we try translated on this so the record feels real feels like there's you know we're in there we're actually in there our characters are right there now well uh, you totally did nail it though because you know the first leg of the venom ink tour when i saw you guys you know the first time you guys came through atlanta of course it was nothing but old venom songs but then like you said to go from like metal we bleed to welcome to hell then i remember yeah. all of a sudden like you know like you did you know don't burn the witch but then you did like black war. war and then black into we the priests there. and i remember yeah. thinking to myself like that's like three eras of venom yeah. like and what and it it sounded so cohesive do you know yes, what i mean which actually, again it should because you you that's you, to, you you know exactly <laughs> like, Exactly. It, it, it's all to, to go. It's the whole reason of calling the thing Venom Incorporated. Okay, we got reduced to ink and people were like, oh, what, they're a business now? Oh, that's bollocks and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, Venom Incorporated, meaning it is part, it's the bigger part of who we are, you know, but it is part of who we are, everything we are. That means the Mantis Solar stuff, the Atom Craft stuff, whatever Abaddon did or anybody else does, the Absence, whatever the music that we do, and we're musicians, we play music, any kind of music is incorporated. Venom is a huge part of the the, the uh, part, and so that's incorporated. It became Venom Inc. And okay, so now there's the comparisons and blah, 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 but it's on the logo. It's like, uh, who gives a fuck? The logo is a red registered logo for the company Venom Incorporated. It's registered, so there's the logo, there it is, and that's what we are. So, okay, do what you want to do, but we will continue forward. But it is important to go, whatever music we're on stage playing, be it Black Metal, Countess Bathory, War, Ave, Satanis, Black and Other Priest, Carnivorous, Temples of Ice, whatever it is, a single Manitou or Seven Years of Hell or, or, or you know, whatever it is, it's that band playing it. It's that band playing it. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's not the real band. It's like, it is the real band. There's the guitarist who played and wrote most of that stuff. And if not all of the stuff that we're playing, it's like, he's playing the stuff that he wrote. It's like, there's the guy who wrote it. There's the band playing it. It's like, if you don't like that voice or that bass line or that drum or that whatever, uh-huh. that's, that's okay. That's fine. But, you know, 
uh, 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 these are the players. These are the people who did it. It's what, what we see in Metal We Bleed. Uh, fast forwarding on to that, because I, I diatribe again. Yes, we actually been writing constantly. Uh, Jeff's written a whole shitload of stuff and throwing demos across. I've been writing like a son of a bitch. Um, and um, since we stopped off the Danzig tour um, in... Um, September there and um, and so we've been we've been uh, October sorry and so we've been at it so at the minute we're we're finishing off the competitions we'll we were going to start recording this month but we have South America at the end of this month which will take us into March right. we have a full festival season and we have a US, US tour based around the Misfits show on the 27th of April. We play Chicago Allstate, a special guest of the Misfits, um, and which would be amazing with Danzig up there. Wow, and um, Jesus, that would be. And yes, so we're kind of building some US dates around there, and then we come straight back and we go through Europe. Uh, in between that, we have South America, as I said. We go to practically everywhere but Venezuela. And um, and then we have Australia and Japan and, and Singapore, Bangkok again, Taiwan. So, you know, we got a really massively busy year. So I guess we'll be finishing the writing probably by the end of this month, uh, I think, or maybe uh, slightly after, uh, slightly into March. And then we'll go straight into record. And yeah, we'll have Kling on there, uh, of course, on there. But I've got to say that, um, you know, I wanted to get it out for March, uh, the album, around about March, April. But, mm -hmm. but you know, because of South America, we... we we don't have the time and we haven't had the time so um, it'll be a bit later than I wanted it to be but the label Nuclear Blast of course it's going out again on Nuclear Blast who invited us to record the next album and they graciously said it doesn't matter when you want to when you're ready to put it out or when you've got it finished just give it to us three months later it will be uh, on the street so that's great for us but I, I think we both feel and, and I think even speaking to Jeremy who's heard some of the demos uh, at this stage that it's better than Arvier. Um, and that's the point, is not we didn't set out to plagiarize ourselves on Arvier. I told Jeff that would be a mistake, so don't try and be anything other than right. who we are right now doing what Correct. we did. And that's what we're doing on this one, but uh, uh, we're trying to be better than we were on Arvier. And so we're, we're not trying to compare with anything or anybody else about anything only ourselves we, we we push ourselves to be better the best we can possibly be and so if we set ourselves a benchmark with Arvia we want to be better than we did on that and that's the only criteria and so far I think we're getting there it's going to sound pretty cool I can't wait you know and it's funny I, as you were as you were talking about the whole like Venom Inc thing I know this is a totally different musical spectrum for, from you from you um, but yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge deadhead like I love the Grateful Dead and and, uh, but so there are, let's see, uh, one, two, uh, three surviving members of the Grateful Dead that, that are touring yeah. with a new lineup and they called themselves Dead and Company. And, and they got a lot of the same criticisms. Like, how can you guys go out and play these songs? Jerry Garcia has been dead for years. And, and, and they were like, <laughs> um, remember there was three other guys in the band that like yeah. wrote these songs and the guy, Bob Weir, the guitar player and singer, he was, you know, I mean, he was in the band since it's, since it's incarnation. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, okay. So if anyone has the right to go out there and make money off of, Grateful Dead material it's the guys that made the music you know so like yeah, yeah. I kind of look at so so maybe, maybe there could be like a Dead and Company Venom Inc co-headline tour you know oh, well, like, yeah why not yeah I'm sure <laughs> I, I can't but you know, you would, that audience would horrify me to be honest <laughs> oh yeah exactly. mashup could you imagine that mashup <laughs> but I think that you know you did you did strike a match there with 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 that particular point because you know um do they have the right to well anybody who writes a song uh has the right to perform their song right um um or even, even if, if you were just, or even if you were there for the incarnation of those songs and you played them exactly. for what 45 years 40 years you know what i mean like I'm, well, yeah that guy's got every i mean you've got every right to get up there i mean yeah again like okay so you didn't 
record black metal but you were you guys were venom that's what people i i remember i wrote when i wrote a review i said yeah. that I, which i actually got some hate mail for which i know you love that but um, awesome. um that i was gonna stop referring to you guys as venom inc and i was just gonna start calling you venom and then i was gonna start calling venom chronos and company because um <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, because essentially. Oh yeah, they didn't love that. that didn't oh, love oh yeah, my inbox was like maxed out by like in two days. But I bet, you yeah. know, and I just, I just, did, I just did select all and delete. You know? Yeah, so, that's it. That's but it. it's the same thing though. But like you know, for four albums, you know, well, yes, Tony, you know, Mantis, and... Abaddon, that was Venom. You exactly, know? and we, so, we, 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 we recorded the, uh, the albums, the EPs, we went out touring um, and, you know, and people turned up, unfortunately, and and and, and people can go, ah, oh, it's an underrated album, and, and, and it doesn't matter how many times people can write and go, certain people can go, yeah, yeah, nobody liked it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hang on, well, uh, you know, the album did pretty good. The reviews were pretty good. The live reviews were pretty good. Right. The album did five stars, so it's like, well, I guess they did like it. The fact that it was supposed to not happen anymore, it didn't work, you know, and it was better than the album that preceded it. I can't help that. I really can't help that, but that's what it was. But I think that, um, you know, the period went into the 90s, and I don't think it's a surprise to anybody and in the early 90s heavy metal was not was not a particular good prospect for anybody and it's why the labels were not doing a lot as certainly the majors you Tony know, I was side. I was playing in a metal band dude and I jumped ship in 94 because I felt exactly. like I was on the sinking end of the Titanic you know you, you, know, had, you, know? you know that that, that, that wave that tidal wave of grunge was was crossing the Atlantic to smash straight into Britpop. So you oh, had gosh, Nirvana. I mean, even the metal bands. I was telling yeah, my friend the you, other day. I said, God, Metallica cut all their hair off. They made an album that had no guitar solos. Yeah. Megadeth was wearing flannel. My heavy metal band that I was in wanted to start covering Offspring songs. I was just like, somebody exactly. kick me in the face, please. The like, world turned upside just... down, you know. And so, <laughs> so you, you people can can look at that and and use that as an excuse for um, the albums that followed. Uh, uh, you know, Temples of Ice, Wastelands, uh, Tear Your Soul Apart. They they can then look at those and go, yeah, well, those were, pff, you know. They were, they were still being as honestly metal as but they were. They were great be. records, though, and that's the thing is that the people yeah, that the, say they, shit like that, though, like it's well, like, they weren't you know. lost. They weren't lost because they were particularly. Although I didn't like the cover art, but you know, and and the production could have been a bit better. Maybe right. some of the songs could have been all oh, my favorite. But but the point is, I think the performances were good, and I think the structures were good, and and some of the material. But it was in a period where there was a, a void, and people were not listening to metal so you know and I when it got to 92 I was going you know what this this ride's over and I think we've taken it as far as it can and it's a new world coming so I I don't think I don't want to be flogging a dead horse you know I mean from and a not only that fighting view, a fight that just continues to seem to kind of fight back against you to the point yeah, exactly. where you know so it's, it's like, like it's like it's like you said it's like flogging a dead horse or it's constantly like punching the bully that's going to punch you back and knock you over it's something point you're just gonna say you know what fuck it what a- i'm gonna take a breather for a while <laughs> you know exactly I mean? and and that, and that was that was that was it and and um you know doing anything musically again again with mantis uh, by the 2000s after doing all my other work but but that was the point i saw what was happening and thought that you know maybe it's over but certainly what what is happening here is over and we need a break we need a pause button you know pantera Flew the flag and blew the world apart again, and thank fuck that they did that because metal became something. Okay, it may have spawned a whole load of new metal or whatever, but that that revolution in itself that Pantera led has has given way to even now new wave of British heavy metal bands have now got new life and are making albums and are touring and and everything that followed. You know, had Pantera not punched the whole punch their hand in the air uh, and 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 maybe as well the explosion of black metal in in scandinavia you know th- th- those kids standing up and going you know what fuck this where's our voice 
right. those things just turned the world upside down and thank god that they happened because they brought metal back and and stronger than ever i think i think stronger than ever and i did an interview with a, a french journalist once and she's a young girl and she said you know it's really cool talking to you you know because uh, i like to do interviews with with kind of uh, people who were around at the time because because all of the stuff i glean i glean from reading in books because you know i don't i you know i missed it all and, and i live in a really time where it's all gone and i said hold on hold on and at the time lemmy had only just died i said but lemmy's only just died and he was touring every year i said um acdc are out um saxon are out Iron maiden are still touring uh, metallica just announced slay i've just announced um uh, destruction sodom um i said you know Judas Priest is out sounding better than they have in 20 years yes you know i and mean you've got like, you've got Young bands, Power Trip, Rosette, uh, uh, Dust Bolt, you know, uh, Ultraviolence from Italy, and then you've got your Behemoths and your Waitings, and I said, you're living in the best period ever. Oh my God. I, said, I tell you, think you, you missed yes. it. I was just going to tell you that it was the same thing was that um, one, of my, one of my good friends, um, him and his daughter, his daughter's about 20 and yeah. she's in, really into metal and like uh, this new wave of traditional metal and yeah. like, yeah. oh my God, like like to me as as a 40 something year old, you know, like or, or you know, yeah, at 35, 36, however old I was when, we, when I started doing the blog was yeah. that like you know he, you know hearing bands like holy grail and enforcer yeah. and you know um yeah vindicator and all these young bands and i was like yeah. it, you know it's like that one thing that like as an old guy like me i jumped up and i was like it's like it's still alive oh my exactly, god it's yeah. still alive, yeah. and, it's, it's alive. <laughs> and it's better than and, and to be honest like it's almost better sometimes than some of the older shit was you well, know, you know it's, it's 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 an endless progressive thing and i think you know there's room for um there's room for the judas priest as well as there's room for the the aeternums and 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 all of that progressive stuff survive and all of those kind of bands there's room for it all oh, you yeah. know we now have a million genres which are range from folk metal to you name it metal and it's like okay that's brilliant if you if you want to try and create something different it's like the same thing was happening in the back in the day we just called that prog prog rock you know uh, that was your yeses and all of that camping floyds and stuff you know they were progressive they were taking music it was still clusters rock well it's like okay but they were moving in a different direction and then right. you know you had your heavier stuff and your faster stuff and your more commercial stuff but what I said to this girl I said you know you're talking about reading everything from back in the day from a book I said but back in the day we didn't have this because no. we didn't have all the genres we had Iowar or rock or heavy metal I said that was that was the three categories I said and most bands all fell into the same category God I, I mean I just remembered it being hard rock at least for me like in the 80s it was like rock, it was yeah. like hard rock and like they didn't even call it hair metal or glam metal whatever type. No. like like it was hard rock it was heavy metal it was pop it was country yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like so like you know to me like heavy metal meant anything from priest to you know exactly you know you know nuclear assault or whatever yeah. you know and then all of a sudden yeah, exactly. like someone comes out and says dude there's it's called thrash it's from san francisco yeah. and i'm like well it's it's just like metal right <laughs> you know yes. like, you know so, and i think that's it I, so i think you know the categorizing thing is okay and okay it spawns all kinds of stuff going on but but i think you know the, 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 i said to the girl you're in a position now where you have those bands from back in the day are still out playing you know purple were about to go back out you know and i said so you've got everybody from deep purple to black sabbath to more ahead to, alice to cooper i mean like i mean and, yeah alice cooper is another one he's putting he's putting on some of the best shows he's put on in his career and he's yeah. at his oldest at this point you know what i mean and i'm like dude if alice cooper can go out at this point and put on better exactly. shows than he put out 35 years ago like that you know 
the the end is and not nigh, you know. There's there's there that circulates back. So this girl was living in the best times, not the worst times, because we couldn't see all of this. We didn't have five yeah. generations of music carrying on. We just had the one. But there you go, and we were trying to start the other. But there you go. That brings you back. Saying about Alice brings you right back to your Grateful Dead thing. They're going, you shouldn't be out there doing that, don't you know, Jerry Garcia? It's like what? So you don't want to hear these songs? Well, yeah, I want to hear them. Oh, you'd rather not hear them live. I mean, well, let me tell you, you what, the, the, the 22,000 people that sell out every night, you know, the amphitheater, I guess they, they want to hear, the, wanna hear the fucking songs. You know, it's not being disrespectful to, to the, to Jerry Garcia or his memory. It's, it's not tributing Jerry Garcia solely. They're playing the music that they love to play, that they were part of to the fans that want to hear it. And it's as simple as that. And anybody who's on the outside who's got a criticism about that is irrelevant. It's like if you you don't want to go to the concert, you don't buy the fucking ticket. If you don't want to listen to the album, you don't buy the album. Exactly. You you don't want to watch the videos on YouTube. You know, don't don't watch them. Go watch the, go watch the 77 era and you'll be happy and let us enjoy the music. And you know, to come full circle to like kind of close this out, you know, is that like Venom Inc is exactly that you know that's you, exactly you are, it. you're preserving a legacy that's and exactly you're it. sharing the music because when i first saw you guys i never got to see venom and yeah. it's hard it's hard to explain to some people how you can almost be in tears at a venom show <laughs> but yeah. but like yeah. when you guys came out and opened up with primeval and all of a sudden you were going into like everything i mean count as yeah. bathory you know black metal you know, welcome to hell i just remember like almost tearing up going like i never thought i would ever get to see these songs live i didn't that- i didn't care that you weren't chronos it was about it was the songs, the and songs, the music. If the songs, if the songs are played, you know, um, um, if the songs are played with the spirit that they were uh, written, uh, with the the motive that was on those recordings, you know, close your eyes, let the music play for you. You know, okay, I prefer his voice. I prefer his voice. I prefer his playing. I prefer his playing. He's mm-hmm. better bass player. He's, uh, you know, it, it, that's okay. That's semantics. That's fine. Okay. You know, but what about the material? It's the material at the end of the day that's about you. And like I said to all these people, you may prefer some nuances here or there, but you've got to remember when you bought that record and went home, you didn't know who these people were. They weren't in your fucking bedroom. It was mm-hmm. just a piece of plastic you were listening to. So oh, it was yeah. the sound that was coming off. So close your eyes and listen to the sound. And if the sound makes you motive, that's what's it about. I remember we came off, we played... I mean, this has happened a lot. Trust me, a lot. But I remember coming off a particular show in upstate Washington, and I walked off the stage, and I came past a whole bunch of people who were, you know, really being responsible as a guy with a white beard, a portly guy with a white beard, looked like a bit like Father Claus, uh, Santa Claus, <laughs> uh, and and he was um, Father Christmas, and he was. You know, he was, I could say he was being emotional. And I went out and told him, I came back past him again, and it looked like he'd been crying. I said, hey, dude, you okay? And he was like, yeah, thanks, man, thanks so much. And I said, no, that's fine. I said, you, you okay? And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I said, so I went and did my thing, came past him again. I said, oh, you, you sure you're okay? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, because you look like you've been crying, if you don't mind me. And he went, you made me cry. And I said, I made you cry. Fuck, I'm... How did I make you cry? He said, when you kicked in to live like an angel, I closed my eyes and I was a 16-year-old boy again. That was the first time I heard that. He said, and the the emotion of this feeling overwhelmed me. Now, that's when you know you're doing it right. So for everybody who can stand on a fucking social forum again, he's a cocksucker, he's shit, he's, he doesn't deserve, he's blah, blah, blah. There's a guy there who actually experienced something that I w- was the whole point of doing this, was the whole intent of doing this, was to not to play to play. I don't go out there to play. Nobody goes out there to do stuff for people who don't like it. You only go out there to do for people who do like it. So you think I shouldn't be doing that for, and what about that guy? That guy wouldn't have got that. 
because he would never see the band. He would never hear that song ever, right? ever. So he gets to never have it because you don't like it. It's like, fuck that. Fucking no chance. It's like if someone wants to have it, they've got every right to have it. Oh. And if it means something to them, they should they should get that. Well, look, it's like my like that old saying, you know, less for you, more for me. And all I can say, <laughs> yeah. Tony, is that like, first off, thank you for being such an awesome guest as always. And thank you for being an incredible friend. And thank you for keeping the spirit alive because I am very much like Santa Claus guy. And I can tell you now that like, it means a lot to me that you guys are doing it. And I am so looking forward to a new album. I'm so looking forward to you return to Atlanta and we're going to have drinks again. (laughs) We absolutely will. And they'll be on me. Uh, Well, I want to, I want to also say thanks to you, you know, and, and, uh, you know, controversy is, is around us constantly uh, from Howard Stern to yourself with your brain fart and, and uh, you know, people will appreciate your honesty and, and, and other people will not appreciate your honesty, but that shouldn't change your honesty. Um, you know, if people feel that they can express themselves honestly and tell you how shit they think you are or how great they think you are, then they should also be able to accept other people's honesty to tell to tell them how shit or how good they are. And I think, you know, it's a subjective thing, of course. But uh, I I support what you do. Um, um, You're a great person. You're a good friend. You're an honest friend. Uh, You never, ever held back on your opinion on something that I've done. And those are the things I like more than anything else, that kind of of reality. Because when, when so many people... Or, or you know, trying to gain from uh, from us for themselves. Um, that 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 leaves me a bit sort of worn and with a bad taste in my mouth because you know I'm not here to gain anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to be alive and to give everything that I've got to something I love. And I know you do that, and I appreciate that, and I'll always appreciate and support that. And I think other people should recognize that too. You know, um, it's, it's part of, it's part of our journey. Um, and I thank you for the opportunity to be your friend and to have been able to do this on your show. Okay. Now you made me feel like Santa Claus guy. So now I'm tearing up. So now I have to say, thanks for doing this. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tony. It's been so much fun having you on, man. And we're going to do it again sometime. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, when the new album's there, I'll push it out. Thank you so much. We'll do it and we'll make it longer. Thank you, brother. Oh, my God. I talk enough as it is. I'm sure listeners are going, fuck, hell does he ever shut up? I'm so sorry. People say that about me, so it's all good. Well, thanks again for everything, man. I appreciate it, Tony. Pleasure. Thank you so much, and good luck. You too, buddy. Bye-bye.